PW Hustle Networks present PWR at the Movies. Join the professor, Tommy Wonder, and JB as they discuss the greatest pro wrestling moments in movie history. Robert Randall, hard-working teacher. This sort of viciousness shouldn't be allowed. This is professional wrestling. Dedicated vice principal. Oh, I think he's trying to hit the mass media. And devoted father, who moonlights as a professional wrestler. My father's an animal. This is my other job, and these are my friends. But you both got to keep this a secret. To the Haminites, the Big Vetoites, to the YouTubeites on the PWS Networks, to the D- Dollar Wrestling Clubites, to the, you know, there's a lot of ice out there. The left, the right, the Dems, the Repubs. No, we ain't talking about voting. I don't care about red waves. I don't talk. I don't care about blue waves. I don't care about pink waves. I don't care about red waves. I think I only care about red waves for the ladies, if you know what I mean. That Those are the waves I care about, you know, every once in a month. But that's neither here nor there. So welcome or welcome to the PWR Podcast here at PWSL Networks on the YouTubes, on the PWSL Networks, on the Podbeams, on the big Hameen uh, Networks, at Hameen Media Group at Podbeam.com. And we're back from our one-week hiatus because my partner in crime did his Bumble tour, did his Tinder tour in Las Vegas, Sin City. You know, for a man who reads the Bible, he goes to Sin City. It's an oxymoron, neither here nor there. But anyway, welcome or welcome to the PWR at the movies. Yes, it's been a while since we've done the movies, and I will explain what we're going to do in a bit, but I have to do my spiel. I got to do my gimmick that I'm being paid for in crumps. I'm being paid. Well, I don't even know if I'm even being paid. I'm like a, I'm like a Nike uh, Asian worker. You're getting paid by the dude just sliding your DMs. Come on, don't, don't, don't be ungrateful. 
Even if that was true, then I'd be, I'd be on a boat right now. I'd be on a yacht. I'd be living off the perks of these so-called DMs that don't even exist. That is disinformation. That's misinformation. <laughs> courtesy of TW. But anyway, I like to introduce myself because I am vain like that. I have that gut. I have that vanity complex. I am the magnanimous one. I am the scholarly one. But most importantly, I am the glorious one. The only objective man in this pod being punditry. The only objective man on this political punditry. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC, and PWC punditry. You're a friend of mine, the Professor Chabelle Cruz. And I'm not here all alone to do this movie review. That's not a movie per se, but I will get to that in a second. But I gotta talk about my brother from the, another mother. Mr. Dum Dum Doer, Idiot's Own, the Iron Stomach One, the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, the Tommy Wonder. How are you doing, my friend? How was Sin City? Did you bring your Bible? Did, did you save the heathens from Las Vegas? I should have brought my Bible. Uh, let me let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. Luckily, night one was not a precursor to the all three nights, because night one, I was up for 26 hours, 2, 2.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. their time, which for you and I would have been 5.30 in the morning, which would have put me at awake 23 hours. I walked almost two miles to a strip club because the bus wasn't running. On the strip they, alone, they don't run it. They don't, not on the weekend. It runs 24 hours, but it slows down. So when I got to the bus stop, it said it wouldn't be there for 15 minutes, and this 49-year-old body didn't listen to the brain, or the brain didn't realize his body's 49 years old, and thought, I can walk 1.9 miles in 15 minutes, and every time I'd get to a bus, I'd look, and it was nine minutes away. So it was gaining some time on me. Finally, when I got 0.3 miles away from the Peppermint Hippo, um, I sat at that bus stop, my feet begging me to walk no more. It's after three, so I've been walking for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I get on the bus. There's two armed guards on it. The armed guards ask the chick at the next bus stop if she's good. She says, yeah, I think I'm good now. They get off the bus, and I'm like, what the hell? They got armed guards on the bus, and I'm walking the street alone, right? And I'm like, what? what's going on? So then we get to the next bus stop. It's called priorities. You don't have boots. That's what it is. Dude, I, I get to the next bus stop. I get off. And another armed guard gets on and goes, you good? And I'm like, what the hell? Did some shit pop off on this thing before I got on it? So finally I walk up to the to the, to the the adult bar, the adult entertainment bar, $50 to get in. But you got two drink tickets, which are where? In my wallet. Because when I walked in, the only reason I went there is because I lost my buddy Denny two hours earlier in downtown Vegas. Went mm-hmm. back to the room on the bus, gave up. He calls me, has a stripper talk me into coming to the bar. I get there. He ain't there. So I walk around this bar looking for him. He ain't answered his phone. This girl comes up to me and goes, hey, I think I talked to you on the phone. And I'm like, yeah? She's like, Tom? And I go, yeah? She's like, how are you? I go, uh, where's my buddy? She's like, I don't know. He left. She goes, why don't you come over here and let's make this trip worth it? I go, uh, let me go find him. So I went outside. The, the <laughs> The manager came up to me. I said, hey, man, if I come back tomorrow, will these vouchers work? He goes, look, here's my card. Give me a call. I'll send the car to get you tomorrow. Your vouchers work. He goes, you come back tomorrow? I go, yeah. He goes, you and your buddy. I go, absolutely, because my buddy spent $800 there. Mm-hmm. 
Professor, we never went back. I just ate $50, and I still got them damn coupons. I'm going to frame it. I'm going to put his picture in that frame and go, never again. So so Friday night was my turn to be the drunk asshole, and he got mad at me. But we, we had a good time. But I talked a lot of smack about kicking Vegas's ass and having the rematch. Because the, the first time I went, I brought a fun governor. I, I am not ashamed to say Las Vegas kicked my ass. And mm. I enjoyed every second of it. I promise you, Professor, the next vacation the King of the Nighttime World takes, my ass is going to be to be there and not a damn thing on each foot because I ain't walking no more. Miami, I walked 50,000 steps in three days. I broke that in Vegas, did 55,000 steps in two days. Uh Well, just, it, depends on, it depends on the shoes you wear. It depends on the shoes you wear because sometimes you Yeah, well... I went there on $180 Nikes and bought $200 Nikes while I was there thinking it would help. It didn't help, man. And I'll tell you what don't work. Hey, dudes. Hey, dudes don't work. My feet still hurt. But I, I'll tell you what. I'm all done with Sprint. I can tell you that. I will tell mm-hmm. you a fun story. Uh, so my buddy Jeff, the guy from Impact Wrestling, Jeff Cavanaugh, ring announcer, name drop, mm-hmm. he flew on Spirit to go to, I believe, Vegas for an Impact show. And he said the girls did the little spiel with the uh, life vest and all that. You fly a lot, right, Professor, for the, your job? Mm-hmm. So at the end of it, the chick grabs the microphone and goes, and for all of you that had your earbuds in there with uh, the spiel going on, if we go down, good luck. And to everyone of you said you'd never fly spirit again, welcome back. And then dropped the microphone and walked away. And I went, ouch. I'm like, ne- never again spirit, like, right? Oh, dude, Never. it sucked. Four hours on a bus. I've always flown. So when I went to Miami, it's about a two and a half hour flight. When I went to visit um, uh, Travis, it was a there was a layover, so it was an hour to Chicago, hour and a half to Jamestown, so or Fargo. So and they were on Spirit. No harm, no foul. When we went to Miami the first year, it was American and United. I didn't have a problem either one of them planes. Then this year we went on Spirit. And we didn't have any layovers on the way there, but we had one on the on the way. No, no. We had layovers on the way there the first year, not this year. So it's just mm-hmm. a two-and-a-half-hour flight. That's my maximum. If I fly anywhere that's three hours or more, it will not be on a Spirit Airline. It won't. I can't do it. I'll do an hour-and-a-half, or if there's a layover, two two-hour flights, I ain't sitting on a fucking Spirit Airplane for four hours ever again. And they separated us and put us in the middle. On two different aisles, same row, mm-hmm. but two different ones. We're in the middle. The guy next to Denny throws up in his hands. So Denny's about to throw up. The, the girl next to me is Big Shirley from Happy Days, but at 20. Her sister's behind her talking to her kid. I, I want to look back and go, excuse me, you know that's your daughter, right? And you're going to raise her to be a piece of shit just like you are? You should have heard how this chick was talking to her kid who was maybe three years old, Professor. Maybe three. And I think you, you know. Wait, hold, hold up, hold. You know that Spirit Airlines is the unofficial sole plane of of aircrafts, right? You do know this. I had no idea how Big Shirley and her sister Precious didn't get their asses beat on that fucking plane. I, they were FaceTiming while we were taking off, and everyone could hear the person on the other phone who wasn't on the plane, like they were on the motherfucker. And then the, the and then as soon as we got in the air, they both were out cold. It was the funniest shit. They made my day until the end. Then at the end, 
Finally, another passenger looked over at the one next to me and said, uh, maybe it's time we shut the fuck up. And her and the other girl talked to each other. They never said shit to the guy that said it, but they said, oh, who are you talking to? And then they started talking about how much damage they're going to impose on everybody on this plane. And I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised they got beat up in the damn airport lobby because it, mm-hmm. it was some shit out of a movie, man. I, I can't even tell. It was surreal. And I spilled my drink on myself and her. So I thought me and her were going to go. She was awesome. She gave me napkins. Like, me and her could be friends. But the rest of you on that plane want to kill her ass. I just was like, well, whatever. She kept falling asleep, leaning on me and shit. I'm just sitting in the middle, like, like doing a DX chop to just try to have room. And uh, never again for four hours. Ever. We Refuse. Have, we have learned not to take spirit for Fleshonites. We have learned to spend the money. I don't care anybody. Spend the money, one way and back. Layover suck. Spirit. Would suck. you ever? Would you ever in a million years, Professor, think if you bought two plane tickets, you didn't buy one and I bought one. I bought both tickets with my credit card, with your name on one and my name on the other. Would you in a million fucking years think they would put you in two different areas of the airplane? Wouldn't you just assume you're going to be sitting next to each other? No, because I, I've. Been what if you bought your kid? What if you brought your kid for their first flight ever? I got a I got an email the day before. They didn't separate us on the first flight. First flight we got cut off. We were so hammered on the flight on the way there they cut us didn't off. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then I think they purposely separated us for the second flight because I think mm-hmm. the crew took notes said oh, you need to separate these two motherfuckers. And they mm-hmm. made an announcement that you can't pour your own alcohol and your drinks on the plane because well, because they never caught me doing it, but I did it. I did. I drank about eight bottles of the little rockets, and only we only bought three of them, and then we drank eight more, so we had eleven total. Anyway, um, the I I never took spirit, but I kind of not. I'm not surprised about separating people. That's why people it's never it, happened. I, that, that was my sixteenth and seventeenth flight, right mm-hmm. since COVID. Not one time have I ever been separated. Granted, I went on two different trips by myself, so it wasn't going to be an issue. That was. One, two, three, four. That was eight of the 16 planes. Mm-hmm. But the day before, while I was in Vegas, it said, don't get separated. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, it, it, they didn't say that on the flight there. Mm. The flight there, they kept saying, hey, upgrade to a more comfortable seat. You can bid on a first class, and if you get the bid, you get it, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, no, I'm just going to take whatever seat they gave me. And then, so we sat next to each other on the flight there. So when we get on the plane to go back, I'm like, man, I got the fucking window again. No, I said I got the middle, so he probably got the aisle or the uh, the window. He got mm-hmm. the fucking middle in the other row. And I just thought, dude, if I would have brought my kid and it would have been their first flight ever, and these sons of bitches tried separating us, I'd be like, no. This kid's sitting right next to me. You do whatever the fuck you got to do. You put me in the back of the damn plane. I don't care. You put me in the middle. Just don't put me by that door because I'm not helping nobody if this shit goes down. I'm getting the fuck out of here with my kid, and everybody else can just follow me out the door. But other than that, I ain't helping. But uh, it's just insane to me that they would even do it. Uh, it's it's spirit, I guess. I don't know. Who, who knows? It's, they're, they're, it's, they're, it's a conspiracy. It, it, yeah, it, it's a conspiracy theory that uh, TW has now – has concocted reflection i so you know what don't take spirit spend the money take delta take american take jet blue spend that money spend that inflation money whatever neither here nor there but anyway what the fuck that's the opposite that's why you're taking spirit let no that's why i'm not that's why i'm saying spend the inflation money spend the inflation dollars it's worth it for the service neither here nor there but anyway Let's do what we do best, TW. We gave him the TW Chronicles 
the TW Trip Chronicles. We give you everything. We give you box reveals, and we give you TW's Tinder uh, Vacation Chronicles. Anyway, but we must do what we do best, and he's holding up a Rob Van Dam Funko Pop. But we are doing PWR at the movies, and we're doing a double feature, Reflection Nights, of a comedy sitcom that either you might have A, forgot about, B, never knew existed, or C, had a Mandela effect saying, what the fuck did the professor find here? <laughs> yes. I forgot. I'm going to say, TW, I technically forgot about this show, but thank God for YouTube. Thank God for remembering little things here and there. But if you're a real hardcore wrestling fan, we are going to delve into a one-season comedy extravaganza, and I'm being nice here, called Learning the Ropes. It was a comedy sitcom. It wasn't produced in America, TW. It was produced in Canada. Canada! It's part of your neck of the woods. But anyway, it was produced for CTV purposes, and uh, it lasted for uh, one season from 1988 to 1989. But here's the funny thing, TW, because... Remember our old PWR at the movies where we talked about the Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling and the little faux pas that, you know, went two seasons, but Wendy Richter was gone. We had another faux pas with this, but we're not going to talk about the, well, you know, we're not going to talk about every episode of Reflection Ice, but I kind of honed in on two, but I have to at least state the obvious, TW. It was produced Funny enough, it was this this series was produced between March of '88 to August of '88, and then when it premiered at about when it premiered at about October or November, you know, for the winter uh, reveals or whatever, oh, the, winter, the fall season, whatever you want to call it, TW. Two names were obviously not part of the NWA Reflection Nights. They were part of the WWF. Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard who were NWA contracted wrestlers, TW, were official WWF brain busters. And if you was lucky enough, Reflection Nights, especially on the East Coast, syndication, you got to see WWF superstars maybe at noon, and then maybe at 1 o'clock, you saw a half-hour comedy show with the brain busters. He's like, oh, shit, they're, they're, they're crossing over, but they were NWA stars. It was um, NWA contracted stars, TW, so that was that's the funny number one full part of this series. But again, let's talk about the business aspect of it. This was one of Jim Crockett's last, let's say, business decisions, TW. He was trying to keep up with Vince McMahon. But I bet you money, I bet you a million billion dollars that this comedy sitcom, Learning the Ropes, did not want the NWA. This was their second choice. Because right. <laughs> they, I, you and I know that they were in in contact with uh, Vince McMahon. They were in contact with Pat Patterson. They wanted to have Hulk Hogan star in an episode. They wanted Macho Man Randy Savage to star in an episode. Demolition to star in an episode. But I think Vince McMahon, you know, the the amnesia didn't kick in. The dementia didn't kick in. He's like, hell no, I ain't gonna, I am not gonna de devalue my wrestlers for this filth of a trash of a comedy show. Hell no. And if you really looked at what Vince McMahon did, of course, with Hulk Hogan on the A-Team, Hulk Hogan is on SNL, and then, you know, they do live with Regis and Kathy Lee at that time. They did Arsenio Hall late night talk shows. He knew how to use that Hollywood connection. This was Jim Crockett's last gasp of promising his wrestlers, hey, 
We're gonna be on TV. You're gonna be on TV. You're gonna make a couple extra months, probably an extra five hundred, maybe an extra thousand per episode. Why don't you do an episode of this? So what's ATW about the business aspect? This is Jim Crockett's last gas, and of course the results is he had to sell his NWA territory to Ted Turner. Which it's funny because this is post UWF buy. Mm -hmm. Doctor Death is actually the guy under the mask whenever Lyle's wrestling. Mm -hmm. And if they would have gotten WWE on board, Jack Tunney would have been involved. This is he's Canadian headquarters. But anyways, mm -hmm. who would have played? Who could have been the body? Because Doctor Death was perfect to be El Zato. The only other guy I could think of is Ted Arcidi, because that's who it looked like when he was wrestling. It looked like Ted Arcidi, maybe Hercules, um, but he's too pale. Mm -hmm. They can spray tan him or whatever, but I, I absolutely, I watched this shit. I don't remember it going ten episodes. I think they made ten and they got yanked before ten. Um, and the no, they went a full. They went full season. I read the thing. It went twenty five episodes. They oh, did a full season. I looked it up on uh, Wikipedia. It's ten episodes. Oh, you got ten? I I heard twenty five. Not not Wikipedia. Uh, the other thing. Uh, one of those TV Wikipedia things. Yeah, I get you. IMD fun facts, two of them. One, um, the, the son on this show, about four years later, is Rick Springfield's son on the show called High Tide that I used to watch. So mm -hmm. on this show, he's got long hair. On High Tide, he's got short hair. And I thought, man, I know this kid. So I went deep diving. That was something I had to do that to keep myself awake watching this shit. But as a kid in 1988 watching this show, Professor, I fucking loved it. And apparently, I didn't see either one of these episodes. Because I'll tell you, of the two, episode three is better than episode five. I think our fans would probably prefer five because of who's in it. Mm -hmm. But episode three, the star of the show. The star of the show and the line of the show is, what else do you do better than being gorgeous? Other than being gorgeous, nothing. And that's gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. Like, the the second I saw him on the ranch, on the Von Erich stuff for World Class, where he lost the match and had to be the ranch hand, him and Precious, who's also in this episode, Jimmy Garvin should have been bigger. And so I'm so glad that he ended up becoming a free bird because you, we said it on here before Garvin and Hayes is my absolute favorite version of the free birds. They're the ones with the toys for Galoob from the UK that I don't own. So if you guys mm -hmm. out there listen, want to want to get Tommy wonder something special for Christmas, find me the free birds Galoobs from 1999 or 1990. Uh, it's Jimmy Garvin and, and Michael PS Hayes with their leather jackets and their long tights. Those Jimmy Garvin deserved a much, much, much better uh, run in wrestling. But it, the run he had, as a fan, I enjoyed it. He's just, he is untapped potential, dude. He is, he is absolutely, he's probably my favorite guy that never got to be higher than he got. And he had some great tag team matches with the U.S. titles and, and the world titles as the Freebirds. Uh, him and Ronnie. They probably had some good tab matches a little before my time. But, man, he, he that guy was built for WWE just ahead of his time. 
I don't know if he was built for WWE. I think he was just built for the South. The South. He was built for Texas. He was built for the I'm a Detroit a white kid with nothing but black friends, and I'm loving this dude. It's just no, no, it's, it's, it's not about that. I'm just, I'm talking about the different. But what's that got to do with monsters. the South? He was perfect for the gimmick. That's where the crowd resonated. He was too, for Vince McMahon, he was too small for the projection of his gimmick in WWF. It just wouldn't work in the East Coast. It just didn't. Yeah, I guess. That's what I I'm guess, just saying. There, there's a difference. He was just they took the exact opposite of this guy, the guy, the black hole of charisma, Ronnie Garvin, and put him on there. Well, and, and you see the results, but neither here nor there. But anyway, T.W., what say you about Jim Crockett's last gasp? You understood why he did it. Well, but, it was on TBS, right? So, I mean, no, he, it, well, this is Canadian television, so I don't know what their number I one network there. on there. TBS, dude. It would be wrestling, and this shit came on before TBS started? No. In the United States, this learning the ropes was on syndication. I got okay. to see this on Fox on the weekends. So okay. I don't know. If you That's probably that. I saw. I thought I saw it on TBS all this time. TBS or or WGN or something mm -hmm. like that. WGN um, would have made sense at your time in '88. That would have made sense to me. But he understood why Jim Crockett did it because I guess maybe there was maybe the wrestlers over there in the NWA is like yo. Hulk Hogan's doing this. He, he's on TV. Uh, Macho Man's on TV. Look at all the publicity they're getting. But you know what? They're victims of their own, you know, living the kayfabe because they kept saying wrestling is real. Wrestling is real. Vince McMahon I said wrestling. Hmm? McMahon didn't blow the lid off kayfabe until 94 in the steroid trial, 93. No, he blew the kayfabe in 80, 85 on TV. Wow. On, he said it was it was a uh, predetermined. He said this on um, it was exposed on ABC Nightline type of shit. He said this in the eighties. No, I, that's no, no, that's when John Stossel got his ass beat because they no, were no. sticking to kayfabe. I said eighty five. That was eight. That was eighty three, eighty four. And then in eighty seven, the Iron Sheik and Jim Duggan got busted driving on seventy five with drugs in their car, and they got in trouble for violating kayfabe. He might have said in some little-ass interview he thought nobody was going to hear, but he full-on came out in 93 on that trial and said, wrestling is entertainment, it's not real athletics, or whatever the fuck he said. That's when people got hot at him. But you understood that WWF guys were going that yeah. way, mainstream. I think the NWA right. guys, who was trying to live the gimmick, try, were getting a little professional jealousy for the moment. They understood, hopefully, that this show might have be, become as big as the Cosby Show. But, of course, this was not going to become as big as Cosby Show. I'm just trying to give uh, an analogy reflection of how, you know, how big this show was in their heads. But it was never meant to be because if it's going to be on syndication for the weekends, it's not going to get those. It's not going to garner those Cosby Show ratings back in the 80s. So neither here nor there. So the premise reflection of learning the ropes is... The lead character is Lyle Alzado. He is playing, you could say, a dual role, Reflectionites. By day, he is vice principal slash English teacher Richard Crandall. The big muscular dude, you know, you know, teaching the young minds at a prep school or a academy, I forget what it is, but it's kind of like in the high school. Okay, it's kind of like in the high school stages. It's not college. 
His uh, son is there. His son is a student there. His daughter is a student there. He's a single father, but he is keeping a deep, dark secret from them. And the first episode, he blew the lid off of it. But on the weekends, he moonlights as professional wrestler, the mass sensation, the mass maniac, T.W. So here's the funny thing of the premise. And now we use the NW, we see the NWA wrestlers. During the whole season, Reflection Nights, appearances were made by gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, the Road Warriors, the Four Horsemen, Ronnie Garvin was on it, uh, I forget who else uh, appeared, but you get the premise of Reflection Nights. A lot of people from the NWA were on were guest spots, but TW, Lyle Alzado's character kind of follows more about the indie wrestler, has a job, a nine-to-five job, you know, during the week and then goes to the local gymnasium, the local armory on the weekends. Lyle Alzado's character kind of reminds me of fucking Mickey Rourke and, you know, and the wrestler because he's, he's wrestling locally. He's keeping himself local. He's not venturing off to Los Angeles. He's not venturing off to, you know, other points in between. He's staying very local and wrestling on the weekends. Let's see. He's more of an indie wrestler, but we know that the NWA wrestlers come to town. Oh, okay. I I disagree. I think, because um, remember the episode you had me watch, the second one, he had plans for that Saturday night, and his day job was making him host his party. Mm-hmm. Well, what I think he was, was the TV tapings at the Omni every Saturday morning in Atlanta. I don't know that they said they lived in Atlanta, but he Story. Always lost cue ball and the wolf. Um, so basically sticking to kayfabe and then also saying, this is why we lose. We've only been in the business six months. We've only been in the business for three. They're trying to get in the business. The other guys are stars. And if you remember the line Jimmy Garvin said, I'm going to be the only guy that goes down in history that they've been hurt by the mauler. Like everyone else has defeated them. Right. Uh, was him being a job guy, like already in the ring, the mass mauler, which is another reason. Wh- well, he had the mask because he didn't want nobody to know he was also the teacher. So well, he was mass striker mass, before mass. Not the mass mauler. He was the mass maniac. So we had to, you know, keep it logistical. Brooklyn brawler, mass mauler. But I, I think he was doing the. He's the local guy that gets beat up on TV every day on the the TV tapings. Mm-hmm. WCW Saturday night. They probably tried to make it out like it was Saturday night when really it was Saturday morning. And then they said, come on down to the Omni tonight where and see the main show where it's Luger versus Flair, not Luger versus the Ding Dongs and Flair versus the Mask guy. Mask mm-hmm. who? Maniac. Mask Maniac. Mm-hmm. So in that essence, okay, I, I get you on that. Maybe we, we could agree to disagree a little bit. I'm just thinking that he's more localized. He's staying local because, again, his job... Probably the teacher job and the vice principal job pays more than the hot dog and the handshakes that he does on the weekends. And like you said, he's the proverbial jobber. This is a very, like, nostalgic episode because if you grew up watching this, if you're a real, real wrestling fan, you grew up with learning the ropes. So if you might have forgot little, little intricacies. But anyway, T.W., was talking about Jimmy Garvin and the, the back and forth between him and Rick Rick. Randall or Richard Crandall, whatever the fuck his name is, I'm just gonna say La La Zeta because that was the epiphany <laughs> between Jim Gar- Jimmy Gar- Gorgeous Jimmy Garvin 
and Lyle out there. What, what were you saying before we were so rudely interrupted by Biden's uh, administration? He's, he says to his – you said the uh, he had a day job, which p- might pay more than the hot dog and the handshake. And I said it yeah. absolutely did. But the funny thing about it is the people that went to college, the the college version of the hot dog and the handshake is a teacher because they don't make much money until you're tenured. And then one mm-hmm. of the lines in the show was – Jimmy Garvin has nothing to fall back on. I got my teaching to fall back on. What do you say to his son? And his son goes, yeah, I don't think I can make a living off a teacher's salary. <laughs> like, like he would have a better way of life if he had a different job or whatever. So it's funny that he would have, you know, a second job that really is a first job. And it almost makes wrestling out to be a hobby. But mm. there's a lot of guys who did, who you know, uh, there's a guy keeping an eye out for him. Uh, T.T. Bling, he's down there in Missouri. Uh, I've known him since he was a little kid. He uh, He's wrestling now, and he's on Instagram. He's on he's on Facebook. He's always posting his stuff, reaching out to me for some critiques. And and he asked me, you know, to help him get in the business. And his mom was like, you know, I want him to go to school for her, so make, make sure that's in your advice. And he happened to bump into Rhino, and Rhino told him, go to school first. And he went to school, got a four-year degree. I reached out to Demore. He told me some schools in Missouri. This guy, his name's T.J. Barnes. I don't know what his wrestling name will be when he blows up, but T.T. Um, Bling is what he was working the last I saw him. Anyway, he's got a day job, but and he went to college. But, hey, man, if, if, if you get noticed and you get called up, you didn't go to college to be a garbage man. But he really was a garbage man. Wrestled as the gimmick. They mm-hmm. made him a garbage man on TV. He made some money, and he walked away. Because you know what? Wrestling business isn't for everybody. In that episode that we watched, he talks about walking away, Lyle Elzado, because, you know, he has a conscience. He doesn't want to hurt people. He hurt Jimmy Garvin. And then at the end, Jimmy Garvin is the one that pep talks him into sticking around. He says, you're good at it. But uh, what I was saying in all the choppiness was, you think he's indie. I think he's local enhancement talent, uh, i.e. a job guy. And mm-hmm. I think I love how they portrayed him as green. And that's why he was losing. Like, he's a big dude. He could, he should be beating Jimmy Garvin. But Jimmy Garvin's a veteran. His experience helps him win that match instead of him winning it on his size. And so for, for that reason, I, I think they were double kayfabing. They were kayfabing it like it was real. But then also explaining, because that's something when I was a kid, my older brother would tease me about. He goes, oh, so it's the same guys that lose every week on TV and the same guys that win. And you don't think it's fake? Like, why would those guys still be doing it if all they do is lose? And, you know, you figure it out when you get older. It's like, oh, those are job guys. But you Mm -hmm. don't realize that at the time. And we've talked about it. There were times when I thought Mike Sharp was going to become the Intercontinental Champion against Tito. And Tito won as the credits rolled because it was TV time remaining. Do you remember that match, the Superstars? Mm-hmm. I remember that in 84, 85. It was a great match, and it was a job match. And Tito gave Iron Mike Sharp all kinds of action, and, and it ended as the credits rolled and the show ended. To this day, I still remember that. And ironically enough, it happened Probably a week after my brother talked his shit about the show ending right on time. And I said, look, look at this one. Look at this one. And it made it feel real to me. Well, again, when you look at the atmosphere of this show, because of what you're saying, Lyle Alzeo is the 
Well, I don't want to say he's green, but he has a purpose, like you said, as the mass maniac to enhance the talents of the four horsemen, to enhance the talents of the road warriors. Did you notice the locker room? Because it was him in the locker room and there was two other quote unquote job guys. Did you catch their names? It was kind of kind of funny names. You got Q Ball. Q Ball and Wolf. And the the Wolf? I thought it was Cheetah. But whatever. Cheetah. But he was a, Cheetah. Yeah, because it was you could and you never saw them wrestle. It was funny. You, those two guys were just never wrestling, but they were always in the locker room. It was, it was kind of funny to me. You know, Lyle Alzera comes from a match or is going to the shower, whatever the case may be, reflectionized. But those two guys, you never saw them. They never interacted in the wrestling ring, never got any TV time. But, of course, they were there to enhance maybe Lyle Alzado as the leader of the Misfits. Would you, would you agree with that, TW, or disagree? That's the other thing. They were the job locker room. They they were mm-hmm. the only ones ever in there unless someone came in there to talk, talk shit to them, right? And I love how they made the Road Warriors out to be Neanderthals, right? Like mm-hmm. just he, he they come they come yelling at him about the girl that they stole that he didn't want. Like he's got his own Stacy from Wayne's World. Go with them. And then apparently they're running train on her and she breaks up with him, come back. So they come in there and he's like, You're the reason. He goes, what, man? I'm in here showering after my match. He goes, shower after the match? What kind of man are you? And then later on, they said she liked the way she smelled. And he goes, it's called soap. And then Hawk says to Animal, put soap on the list with shower. We'll give them both a try and walk away. It was, it was some, there was a little homophobia going on when they hugged each other. It was, it, I'll tell you what, I'm glad we watched it. So as much as I said it, it I am not lying when I tell you, I fell asleep four or five times per episode. And there only 20 minutes long but it's it's so primitive looking on this youtube like i would love to see this cleaned up and put on like a streaming service where they had the masters and and make it watchable and just you know you can pick up a charles in charge and it looks watchable doesn't look youtubed Mm -hmm. um but yeah it it was good I, i i like i like how it's presented and those other two guys i just always felt like they were the guys the road warriors fought every week you know what I mean? Like, they were the two big dudes that got smeared by the Road Warriors. Um, and then Jimmy Garvin or Tully or... Tully, I, I'll tell you, t- two things about Tully, and it might be because of YouTube. Um, he looked a little chubbier than I remembered him uh, when they showed him mm. and his highlights. But also, I thought Dr. Death must have been... He must have been much shorter than I remembered him because... Tully didn't look that small in there with him, you know? And right. But w- one of the reasons why is the WCW ring was was the 10 by 10, not 10 by 10, was 12 by 12 or, 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 or 15 by 15, and the WWE ring was 20 by 20. So if you were small, you looked look small in the WWF ring because it was right. huge. Mm-hmm. Well, Reflection Ice, TW actually gave you the synopsis for two episodes, and I'm going to try to, like, I have to split these you know, for the PWR at the movies. But you know how TW is. He gives you two episodes in one because he wants to get rid of this episode. He wants to get rid of this <laughs> for all the reflection I so quickly. But I have to do my job as the host of the PWR at the movies to try to, like, separate it to give you some uh, to give you some context. I'm going to do my best because TW already gave you the clip notes. Strong J, TW. Strong J for doing that. But anyway... I'm going to have to go back to this classroom and try to give you the whole encyclopedia again, but I'm going to abbreviate a little bit. But let's talk about the first episode that I made you watch. The, it, to me, 
TW, and we're going to focus on the Jimmy Garvin thing. Before the match, I think we can, we can agree or maybe you have a different take. To get to the point when they got to the match between the Mass Maniac and gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, he beats the shit out of Jimmy Garvin. But he was actually, but his, his thought process was he was tired of losing. He was tired of coming up on the short end of the stick. So he was, right. he was enraged. He was motivated, whatever the case may be. And he was so motivated that he kind of blacked out and he worked on his legs and he didn't win the match, Reflection Ice, which was funny enough. I think he got disqualified for taking out his legs. He felt a little, you know, no, of course. For throwing him over the top rope. Oh, yeah, the, the NWA rule. I, f I forget. But you get where I'm going with TW. He was so enraged. Yep. He was so fixated of wanting to win because he was he was on a losing streak. You talked about it a little bit. He had a, he he probably wanted to quit the wrestling business and go teaching full time because he thought he was getting nowhere. And I don't know what what Jimmy Garvin did to him before the match, but you know he he just zoned in on him. He was like a bull, you know, a Mexican bull, and Jimmy Garvin was wearing red. Went after the leg. Injured his leg, and of course he had the. He felt guilty. He felt remorseful, and of course, reflection nights. He went to the hospital, and now TW and all the stuff that TW said comes to fruition. So TW, from that standpoint of the, of this episode, which was garnered around him, because like you said, they wanted to make this look real. So again, he was he was frustrated with his wrestling career. He was frustrated that, you know, he came up short against Ric Flair. He was frustrated that he came up short against Tully Blanchard or Arn Anderson and, all that, and Ronnie Garvin. So what say you, TW, about trying to keep that realism of the mass maniac wanting to win and make make his dream a reality that to be a top wrestling star? What say you? Well, it was his, it was his buddies, Cheetah and Q-Ball, that got him all fired up. But basically telling him Jimmy Garvin was talking smack about him and you know what his game plan is? And he's like, what? He's like, he's going to kill you. Like, like tell him he had no chance. And mm -hmm. that amped him up till we went out there and he's blackout raged, you know? And uh, in the, in the clip, he's working leg, working a leg, but it's when he threw him over the top rope, he landed on the floor on his leg and then it hit the guardrail. And that's when he held his rail. His, his, so it wasn't the match that, that hurt his leg. It was the throwing him in the way he landed on the floor. Okay. And that's why Jimmy Garvin was bummed out and everybody's like, dude, you know, you ended my career, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it's actually, it's almost like a wrestling naysayer would watch it and say it's corny and cheesy and whatever. But it's mm -hmm. written in a way that's respectful to kayfabe and, and believable. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. they don't hate each other man, why'd you lose it out there like that? You know, we're wrestling. Why, what the fuck was all that about? Which would be a behind-the-scenes take on the start of a feud when a guy, you know, does something to somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's actually well done. For as piss-poor as it is, but if we're being honest, it's from 1988 or 7, whatever year it is. It, I mean, nothing really holds up from that era, especially syndication. Watch an episode of Baywatch. Baywatch is garbage, too. You know what I mean? We have. We watched the one where Hogan yeah. saves Muscle Beach. It's just, it's better quality because, you know, it made money. But the ones that didn't make money, I bet you nobody even knows where the masters to those things are. Mm -hmm. Well, again, when you look at it from this aspect, TW, 
You got me, T.W.? Yeah, I hear okay, you. Okay. okay, look at it from this aspect, because like you said, it, it, it dawned on me because you said that they wrote it to make it look, you know, with the behind the scenes. Let's try to focus on the behind the scenes, because again, Lyle Alzado says this in the opening credits for Flex Knights, these are my friends. So they're yeah. rest. So this is more of a of a camaraderie, but yet a competitive camaraderie. We're gonna fight. Right. We're gonna do. You know, we're gonna fight each other in the ring. But at the end of the day, we're gonna go out and get a beer. So what say about uh, trying to keep that kind of aspect of it without it saying be, that a Booker would, was predetermining it? it? It would be the same as on Sunday. No matter who wins the game, there's a circle at the end zone that has half of one team and half of the other team praying together. And Russell Simmons is usually leading that circle. You know what I mean? Like, you might be out there trying to kill each other, but at the end of the day, you're all brothers, man. You're all on the same team, you know, and and, and you're going to go do what you do. The only thing about what he said is these are my friends. It was specifically for that party, but it is shown that. And he hadn't fought the Road Warriors. So mm -hmm. it, it really didn't come across as I fought you and then you're my friend. But that's how you and I would interpret it because that's how it is. It is mm -hmm. we're friends, you know. One of, one of my best friends in the wrestling business is a guy I've wrestled the most. You know, it's just we you have a chemistry, you wrestle each other, and then unfortunately you got times where guys are teams and hate each other. Like currently, your boy Santana and Ortiz, probably the best thing that happened to them was one of them got hurt because maybe they can cool off and then come back when the other guy's healed. Uh, Sean and Marty hated each other. Uh, and then you got guys who who – legit hate each other when they're wrestling each other like sean and brett so you you do have heat it's just like a high school you know mm -hmm. high school you know who you wrestle the most in high school when you're on a high school wrestling team your teammates each other you mm -hmm. wrestle each other and then you go out you test each other you get mad you cuss at each other i'll never forget it i won my spot for the only tournament i ever wrestled in in high school because i only wrestled one year I won my spot, and when we were leaving, the kid that I beat was so mad because he didn't think I took it as serious as he did. Mm -hmm. And, of course, me being the insult that I am, I'm like, yeah, well, if I don't take it as serious as you, then you're even worse because I beat you. You know, and this is in front of other wrestlers. You know, we're heated. And he's like, you just better win. You better win. And I'm like, dude, I will. And then me and him, one day in school, I pulled him aside, and I'm like, Dale, dude, man, we're, we're team. I, why are you mad at me, man? You, if you would have beat me, I would have been cheering you on. I'm like, why are you mad at me? He's like, well, I just don't know if you want this as much as I do. And I'm like, well, I said, well, I beat you. So what's what's that say, you know? And mm -hmm. and so and then the next two years, that guy went on to be a varsity wrestler. So there's 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 knowledge to be gained in losing, and there's there's knowledge to be gained in winning. And 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 so to take your wrestling that's everybody wait say that again because you, hear you. you kind of you kind of okay, i said i said in in high school in pros in in athletics in whatever it is you do your biggest rival is the guy trying to take your spot period mm -hmm. you might have yeah. a cross town rival but you got a guy on your team every day who's trying to show the coach that he should be playing not you every single day and then you go wrestle and you do your thing and in pro wrestling it's everybody because there aren't right. weight classes there aren't mm -hmm. there aren't one offensive lineman one defensive lineman it's everyone does the same thing and everyone's trying to get the top spot so in wrestling you know yeah you can beat each other and go out and have beers together
Right. So within this episode, Reflectionites, again, he felt guilty, T.W., with uh, hurting Jimmy Garvin, throwing him over the top, and then his knee hitting the guardrail. Jimmy Garvin's in the hospital, you know. But the funny thing was he wasn't offering to pay for Jimmy Garvin's uh, medical bills. He just wanted to make sure that he was all right and say, I'm sorry. But then there's the epiphany of maybe wanting to quit the business, the epiphany of hurting a, a good friend of his in that uh, in that moment, T.W. So, you know, is there a sense of realism there where he's visiting the hospital by, by trying to keep it as realistic as possible, saying, I'm sorry I did what I did? without saying, well, it wasn't predetermined, you know, because again, you know, people could do moves today, Reflectionites. They could do a power bomb, and you can land wrong on your neck and then be paralyzed. We've seen the Darren draw, you know, back then, D'Lo Brown and Darren Drozdoff comes to mind first. So, you know, right. people do feel Big guilty e. about, you know, Big E Langston just a couple of months ago, again, with Rich Holland. So, TW, good example right there. So, you know, Seeing that hospital scene, T.W., there is a sense of realism there. But then, of course, they, it's a comedy sitcom. So they're trying to, you know, give you that. Right. Appear, uh, it appears to be real without it, you know, with that thing going on. That scene. It does. The first guy at the hospital should be the guy to hurt you. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. if you have any empathy or compassion at all. However, they paint Lyle Elzado as... A guy doing it, they never do it. Like he's like, I'm doing it, even though we're not supposed to, kind of thing. So to give it a little bit of the bravado, kayfabe, like I'm not visiting him in the hospital. It's not my fault. He's weak, you know. But he he was having the conscience when most guys didn't. And then, like I said, the end of the episode is is Jimmy Garvin. The the main reason why he wanted to retire is because he thought he he cost Jimmy his career. So now he's not. So when Jimmy stumbles into the locker room and says, hey, I'll be back in six weeks, which, by the way, that is not an ACL tear uh, mm -hmm. healing period. That's nine months. That's Sting and RoboCop. But, uh, but he, he, he before, lit before up. 30, before 30 minutes sitcom, that was the appropriate time, six weeks. Right. Right. And it's enough to make Lyle Elzado lit up like a Christmas tree, like, you're coming back? Well, then I'm coming back. You know what I mean? Like, he, mm -hmm. the, it was because he's going to be all right so and, and and you know we do it when we're sad he's his main sadness was he hurt the guy and then he thought why am i doing this if i got hurt because that's what his daughter said his friend said um also i'm hurting people and i'm not even winning so what's the point and he's just he's looking for reasons to not do it again. If you want to do it, you enjoy doing, and that's what he—that's what he was doing. So once Jimmy Jarvin gave him the green light, he was right back at it. Right. So let's talk about the second episode. I got you to watch a little bit here, T.W. So now, from one aspect of the sport part of the wrestling atmosphere, the second episode I had T.W. watch Reflection Nights kind of like was more romantical, if you want to call it, uh, Reflection Nights. It was more about the behind-the-scenes <laughs> bravado between the, the wrestlers itself because Lyle Alzado's character wants to throw a party for all his buddies of the NWA, and they were going to party at, at his house. But again, remember, T.W., there's a secret. He couldn't invite the, the teachers. He couldn't invite the girl that has a big-ass crush on him because... 
Nobody in the school knows that he is the mass maniac. So the second episode, which T.W. says, you know, probably is more remembered because of the popularity of the Road Wars, which I agree with you, T.W., because in comparison to Jimmy Garvin, it is what it is in terms of hierarchy. But this one was more quirky, wasn't really about the matches, wasn't really about his life you know, in the wrestling ring per se, it was about having fun with cue ball, having fun with Cheetah, and then partying down with the the main characters, you could say the main guest stars, Road Warrior Hawk, Road Warrior Animal, the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors TW. So in that essence, so it, it's kind of funny because the first thing is like, are you coming to my party? You, The mass maniac, this green-ass jobber TW. Everybody wants to go to the Mass Maniacs party, T.W. Please make this make sense to me. I, I, I'm i not saying that Barry, like if Barry Horowitz or the Brooklyn Brawler. I'm going to make it make sense to you. Okay. I'm going to make it make sense to you. Nin 1994, I had my first match. 1995, I'm in the business a year and three months. And I'm at Great American Bash. I've told the story. Arn Anderson sends me on a beer run. Uh Buff Bagwass, me and Rhino, where we're from, how long we've been in the business. When you get behind the curtain, with the exception of guys like my dude, the Ultimate Warrior, even Hogan, when you have, when you're in a town and everybody's there wrestling, and you're there, and someone says, Any, "Anything going on tonight?" and someone says, "Hey, this dude's having everybody over to his house," you hear two things: free food and drink. And a place to stay, right? Because that means you're not now you're not paying for a hotel and now you're not paying for dinner because you're going to this party this guy's hosting. They don't imply that they stay the night there, but trust mm -hmm. me, when you get all liquored up, the next morning is them laid all over on the couches and the chairs and everywhere else. But it's a family, it's a traveling circus. And if one guy is gonna host everybody, you're going. You're going, mm -hmm. with a few exceptions. You know, someone who has trans and hotel in their contract is not you know hogan might make an appearance hogan walked into our locker room with a beer and said hello to everybody so he at least made himself available you know like he didn't just hide all mm -hmm. i never saw renegade and i'm not knocking him but he was in that locker room with hogan and jimmy hart never saw jimmy hart those mm -hmm. guys stayed away you know okay. and i'm sure if the warrior had a room he would have stayed away and whoever but in the <laughs> locker room i was in me nobody Terry Richards, who wasn't even Rhino yet, nobody. The two of us are in a room with Macho Man, his dad, Sting, Terry Funk, Buff Bagwell. Everyone who was in WCW in 1994 or five was in that locker room with us, except for Hogan, Renegade, and then Flair. But Flair and Arn had a room together. Arn wasn't in our room either, but he he, he sat with us in the gorilla and all that. He didn't hide. Mm -hmm. Um Matter of fact, he might have been in our room. I don't remember. But Flair was the director. He was running shit. So he he must have been booking in 95. I don't know. But he, mm -hmm. him and Bischoff were constantly doing whatever. Plus, they had the 1-900 table. Remember that phone number you could call? Guys yeah. were over there on that thing. Girls had their own locker room. But it, at the end of the day, this party, never once would I question that that party could happen because it could what I did question is, and I missed this while I was sleeping, I thought that was the job that his boss made him do, and he just invited his buddies. Mm -hmm. Again, well, you explained it that, you know, if you're throwing a party and there's free food and free drinks and you don't have to uh, pay for a hotel, 
that the rushes will come. It's it's yep. it's there. I get you. There's a problem with yeah. this with in the, within this episode is the wrestler party mentality couldn't have it because Lyle Alzado is a single father. Lyle Alzado has a teenage son and a teenage daughter. Well, if he didn't have a teenage daughter, T.W., maybe there would be more debauchery, if you if you right. read. There would right. be more, sure. you know, strippers or, and all that stuff, because if he only had the son, I can it's get you. Peelers. In the yeah. wrestling business, it's called a peeler. Mm-hmm. And, of course, because he, he has the daughter, he has to keep it a little bit of, he has to have a little class, if you will. That's why he had the hors d'oeuvres reflection. He had to have the, a little bit of the music and all that stuff. So within this party that the Road Warriors were invited with, lo and behold, his crush comes comes knocking on the door because I think he gave an excuse to his school that, you know, he couldn't attend certain, he couldn't attend a function because somebody died in his family. So his right. crush came over to the house to grieve Not his him. crush. She's yeah. crushing on him. Well, she's crushing on him, but you know, you get where I'm going with this. The 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 woman who has a hard on for the mass maniac, but he she doesn't know it's the mass maniac. She has a hard on for the vice principal. Comes over to the house, but yet two guys get enamored with this girl, and it was the Road Warriors. Tw. So let's let me ask you this question: Since I gave the synopsis of this episode per se, what did you think? You know, the the funny thing is. The laugh, you can tell when it's not live in front of a studio audience and you hear the laugh track. Some of the jokes that the Road Warriors said, even for 1988-89 purposes, in my uh, 11-year-old, 12-year-old body, in my mind and mentality, <laughs> I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh hysterically. But you right. knew that, that was a laugh track. So what say you about the comedy duo stylings of Hawk and Animal? <clears throat> I loved it, man. I just, you knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. At one point, it's Lyle Elzado in a room with Animal and Hawk. And it crosses my mind that Dr. Death is him when he's in the ring. And I thought, they're all gone. It saddens me. It's God like, damn, you always say this shit. I'm like, they're you all gone. Be, I'm changing TW's name now. I'm adding another. He's the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, and the Grim Reaper recognizer. That's what you are now. So he- I'm going to ask you this question. I've never asked anyone this in my life, so the fact that it'll be immortalized in recording. um, I always think, like, when people are dead, what if, what if, hear me out, people Mm -hmm. die, people that sang, people that danced, people that played the guitar, movies. You ever think that, like, their their body, they're in the ground, they're cremated, they're whatever, and wherever they're at after this this place, do you think when someone listens to their music, they get reanimated on the other side? So every time someone watches them or, or listens to them again. Do they get reanimated on the other side? And if that's the case, Elvis is never going to die. Tupac mm-hmm. is never going to die, right? And so it used to be a conversation. It literally crossed my mind. Like, man, the three of them, you think they're looking down going, hey, this guy's watching that episode we did together 40 years ago. You think, think of, yeah, yeah. And I like to think, yeah. They're like, hey. Learning the ropes. Who the hell dug this up? You know, and the, so they're gonna visit you tonight and go, "Hey, man, thanks Thank a lot." You. They're gonna high five you in a dream tonight, Professor. Ho, ho, I believe in that energy and that spirit, as you're saying, 
as big that can come down. You can feel it maybe in the winds, maybe the, the blowing of the tree, tree leaves or whatever. There's symbolic natures of the spirit world. I get you, TW. So if somebody... I have a cool story for you. Okay. This is just, I found this out yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't plan on telling this story, but we're going there. So this girl I've been talking to, we're just friends, whatever. We've been hanging out. And I guess a couple months ago, um, she told one of her employees, hey, do I got to call your mom on you to get some better handwriting out of you? And he goes, well, she's dead, so good luck. And she's like, oh, and then just let it go, right? They laughed, whatever. Mm -hmm. And she ran to it was her mother and his mother. And in her dream, she thought, he lied to me, that little motherfucker. But then she woke up. So yesterday she walked up to him at work and said, hey, you remember a couple months ago when I told you I was going to call your mom because your handwriting needed improvement? He goes, yeah. He goes, she goes, last night I had a dream that I met her with you at the mall. And he looks at her and goes, did you really dream that last night? And she said, yeah. She goes, today, yesterday was the anniversary of her death. Mm. So a month or so ago, she didn't dream it right when it happened. She mm -hmm. didn't dream it until the a, a day that actually meant something, and then she went and told that guy she dreamt about his mother the night before, and he said that was the anniversary of her death, like 10 years. So that's, that is, that's pretty heavy shit, man. That is some weird, wild shit. That is some spooky shit. That is like uh, Tales from the Dark Side that's type six, shit. That's some Sixth Sense. Fucking, yeah. I... I I think it's a gift, man. I think it's awesome. And I, I think I told her I think it was great that she went and told him. Because if she doesn't tell him, she doesn't know. The story's nothing. And that, that means that they have a special connection because of her mother. Yeah. Or his yeah. mother, whatever the case may be. So with that being said, let's go back to the question I asked you. What did you think of the comedy styles of the dead Road Warriors? Are you going to have a dream a month from now about the Road Warriors and I, their comedy styles? I think... I think they absolutely crushed it. Like, I thought Jimmy Garvin. I still think Jimmy Garvin steals the show. Like, mm -hmm. he cut a promo with the with their fake announcer guy that made me think: Did he ad lib that, or did someone write that? Because that was when the the cheetah came and said, "You should hear what he's saying about you." It was such a good promo that I'm like, mm -hmm. no writer wrote that. He straight up said that. Like, all right, I'm just gonna cut a promo. You guys can tell me if it's good or not. Um, but Animal and Hawk were just naturals. They played right off each other. They played off of him. They played off the girl. Um, and it never felt like acting. Does that, does that make sense to me? Mm -hmm. I never felt like I was watching a show. I felt like I was watching Animal and Hawk. I, I didn't, even though they are characters, I didn't feel like I was watching characters. I felt like I was watching Animal and Hawk. Yeah, because that's a great assessment because, you know, they, they, they look like the two guys without paint. Painted faces. The the only thing that looked fake was uh, Hawk came in with a suit. Animal came in looked like with like his belt. Had yeah. his belt shot Michael style at the belly button. And I was yeah. Like, yeah. Animal looked like on the, didn't they have the do rags on? Yeah. Yeah. They always have the do rags on. Yeah, I liked but, it, man. I I thought it was well done. I, yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm just giving the uh, visual effects for the reflection. I again. Google learning the ropes, watch an episode with the Road Warriors, and then you you comment for yourself. Tian Kupana, Donna Destruction, Phillips Gottwood, Richard Schmetnick, you know, all the, the regulars, the OGs, the Magnificent 70, Elite 8, the Naughty 9. So in closing, TW, with the end of this episode, 
you know, the road warriors are going to be on the road more than the mass maniacs. So, Lyle Alzado's crush, the one who's got is jonesing for him, has to break it off with the road warriors. And the road warriors are pissed off with the mass maniac, a.k.a. Lyle Alzado. But, of course, the, the meeting of the minds in the locker room, if you will, T.W., it looked like, you know, funny enough with this comedy show, it looked like the road warriors wanted to kick Lyle Alzado's ass for stopping the train to be run on this girl. <laughs> so let's say you with all the hyperbials of that and ending the show. I, it, it's awesome. It's They come off as stupid cavemen, by all mm-hmm. means, right? Uh, Lyle Alzado comes off as a fish out of water. Like, why are you in this business? Um but it's all it was entertaining. And it's funny you said something earlier about not gut laughing and, and it was a laugh track. And I think back to like all those shows back then, you really didn't cry like you do now. Like when yeah. I watch a comedy now, like like Ted Lasso, like that's that's what I was showing you earlier, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso's a little different because Ted Lasso will make you cry laughing and make you cry cry because it's got some heartfelt shit in there. But like when you watch, you know, even going back ten years, how I met your mother. When 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 they get on a run and make you laugh, it's it's gut busting. You, you're nothing was really like that in the eighties. Like even mm-hmm. Mash, it would be one liners. It would be like almost watching stand up. Like you laugh a little it was bit. All about the zingers. Zingers. It was paced. Now mm-hmm. nowadays, I'm trying to think of something that's funny now that that is. Um, it mostly for me it's gonna be stand up when because not sitcoms just they just they're not funny to me like they were well, you know I'm, I, they, just, I disagree I, I get what you're saying like my Gus Buster that just they just ended their run was Brooklyn Nine Nine that was some oh, funny shit but that's like an hour long show right no a half hour it's only a half hour man yeah. I've been watching that shit this whole time I thought it was an hour no seven seasons of, of half hour laugh laughing no no laugh track is good yeah it's on demand you can watch it. Oh, i'm gonna start watching it then you just mm-hmm. turn me on a new show but yeah but yeah something like that where mm-hmm. like like psych psych is an hour long but it's like seinfeld it's it's thinking comedy you ain't laughing right, right. away you gotta mm-hmm. get it and then once you yeah. get it you're in and you're just you're laughing you know and and but like episodes of Friends would bust your gut, but that stuff didn't come around till mid to late nineties. Eighty sitcoms were like you said zingers, and this mm-hmm. one, I, I, as cheesy as I thought it was on the first couple minutes of watching it, it it's mm-hmm. no better or worse than anything else from that era, right? At all. Okay. Seinfeld came out around then, and he changed the game, but mm-hmm. but you know, Seinfeld's just a different animal, but. But after Seinfeld, you know, you got Mad About You and all that shit before you got that Thursday night thing rolling. But these right. syndicated shows, Charles in Charge, um, remember Soap? Soap, mm-hmm. I think, was a syndicated show. Yeah. It's a, li- it, it's a living was syndicated, and That's Too Close for Cumber was syndicated. It's a living. Just like it's a living. Uh, out of this world. Or, you know what it was like? Like the early Fox comedies when Fox was only Sunday night or only mm-hmm. Tuesday night. Like when they, for Parker Lewis can't lose stuff like that. Right. But yeah. Yeah. But I, I appreciate this. And I'll tell you what, if I were to find this somewhere on DVD where you could get all 10 episodes or 28, apparently according to you, I would buy it. I would absolutely buy it. I don't think I ever will find it, but if I could, I would, but I just, there ain't no way now I'm watching all 10 on YouTube. There is no way it, it, it is. 
I'll tell you, 12 listeners, it, it was a struggle to watch it, but not because of content, but because of how just shitty the, you know, it ain't our version of 80s porn when we're watching it, hoping to catch a nipple, but mm-hmm. it's, it's close. It's puffy. It's, it's, it's skips it's gritty. every now and again. It's gritty. Yeah. It's gritty. Yeah. It's gritty. Yeah, absolutely. And with that being said, we close on this special PWR at the movies, learning the ropes, a wrestling sitcom, if you will. So, TW, you know, for next week, I'll keep you on your toes, maybe, but I'm going to go with the rivalry. So I'm going to surprise you with a rivalries edition here on the Pro Wrestling Reflection. I don't know who I have in my head, but I'm going to surprise you and, and give you some matches. But with that being said, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here, just like we always do. If you will. Still doing like we're doing? Mm-hmm. All right. So, Hameen Media Group at Podbean.com is where you find us on the Podbean. On Twitter, you'll find us at PW Reflection. Um, you can find Big Ray at Twitter and at, um, it's probably his Instagram, too. I would think it's his Instagram. But definitely his Twitter and, and TikToks are at Big Ray Hernandez. Um for me, you have at Tommy Wonder Nineteen is Instagram and one of my twitches and my TikTok and other twitter is at the Tommy Wonder. Snapchat's number Wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. Um, I know I keep saying this, but soon Dum Dum Duo and an Idiot on YouTube coming out. Patreon.com slash the big veto brand. That's backslash. I don't think anybody needs to know. Well, that, that's the... That's we all... Yeah, that's the logistics. So for the 12, they already know that. So, you know, we have to remind the 12 every week. So that's our job. So neither here nor there. So you can find me on my Twitter at PWHustlePROF. That's PWHustlePROF. And this is gets uploaded by A-Track Brown. This will be on the YouTube networks, on the PWHustle networks. Follow my brothers in arms. The man with the documents, the man that already knows who won the midterm elections, he already knew this like three weeks in advance because it was all rigged. It's not about Dominion voting machines. It's about the powers. It's about the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds. They already decided who's going to win between the Reds and the Blues, but neither here nor there. But follow him at Billy Ray Valentine, at Obi-Wan, you know me. And, of course, the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown, at the number 8, T-R-A-C. Brown. So again, next week, we're probably going to do a rivalries edition of the PWR podcast. I don't know who I'm going to uh, focus on. Maybe it's going to be a tag team. Maybe it'll be singles. Who knows? But I will keep you on your toes, Reflection Nights. I'll keep you on your toes. With that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Dum Dum Doing in its own Tommy Wonder saying goodnight, and we'll see you next time here at the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. Peace! Learning the ropes. <laughs>